Hello, and welcome to System Mastery, the podcast where I have a confession to make. We're, we're tired. It's hard reading another RPG every two weeks for the amusement of literally tens of people. You know the vast majority of these games are new to us, right? We've played like three of them. So you won't blame us to hear we need a week or so to cool off before we dive headlong into the next shitty old game. With that in mind, we present you a diversion on the road of podcasting as we discuss the 2000 film Dungeons and Dragons. If you haven't seen it before, or even recently, that's fantastic. Alright, and we are back. Hello, Jeff. Hi there. I'm John, and together we... We have watched the worst movie that I've seen in so long. I know. It's really... You know, I want to say at least it tells a story. Like, at least it's got a a beginning and a middle and an (laughs) end. Technically, there is a story. I think I've seen movies that had less plot to them, but... Boy, it's close. Oh, yeah. Well, you know. It is just... So disjointed from everything that you're like, but why? And there's random plot elements that are introduced, but let's let's di- let's discuss those as we come to them. Let's talk about what we're watching first. This is 2000's Dungeons and Dragons. Yep, directed by Courtney Solomon. And don't get excited; that's a boy, Courtney. Yeah, and uh, boy, Courtney there has directed all of three total films in his life, but he's produced hundreds. Oh, yeah. He produces, like, six movies a year. They're all, like, direct-to-DVD things. It's it's an interesting career. Yeah, he manages to get money for people for his movies by promising he will never direct another Dungeons & Dragons. He's like, I won't do it again. I, I, I've done it twice, because there's actually two of these friggin' things. Most people don't even know this, but yeah, there is a Dungeons & Dragons 2. Uh, I think the it's... The Search for Snails? The Search for Snails. <laughs> I wonder if Snails... No, Snails isn't in the... None of them are in the second one. No. Just, just Tramadol. Just, just damn it, damn it all. Just damn it, Janet. Dramamine. Blue lips. Yeah, Fun Dip is in the second one. <laughs> yeah, he manages to stick around. So this movie stars uh, one Justin Whalen. Whalen. And Justin Whalen. you may know from his time as uh, Jimmy Olsen on Lois and Clark. Yeah. The New Adventures of Superman. Or some role in Child's Play 3. Yeah, where he's the main kid at boot camp. Okay, I've never seen a Child's Play movie. Are they any good? Uh, yeah, they're pretty good. I mean, they start to fall apart around three, so, I mean, really, I can just sort of blame this guy for everything that's wrong with everything. He's he's suffered enough. This ended his career like like he just ran directly into a wall. Oh, yeah, it's like, I'm, I'm acting in things. Do Dungeons and Dragons. Well, I'm done now. I'm the leading man. I'm five feet tall. <laughs> Sorry, you are not Tom Cruise levels of charisma. Get out. It's kind of like uh, the movie stars one of those women playing Peter Pan. <laughs> he just bounces into the say, Hello! <laughs> I don't want to grow up. I hate you, Captain Hook! I have to tape my boobs down! <laughs> That's why I hate you! So, anyway, it stars him. It also has one of the Wayans brothers in it. Yeah, it has, um... Yeah, Wayans, Mar- Marlon? Mar- I want to say Marlon. I think, I think that's safe. Justin Whalen is playing Ridley... The, uh, well, we're going to be delivering this to an audience of nerds, so let's discuss this as if it's a D&D thing, right? Yeah. He's he's a fighter rogue sort of thing. Yeah, he's he's a fighter rogue. 
And uh, then you've got Snails, who I think is like a zeroth level rogue, or you know, yeah. whatever the uh, commoner class version of rogue is. Like a pickpocket. Yeah, something like that. A cut purse. Yeah, there you go. Because he's terrible. He he is basically uh, Justin Whalen's character took leadership, and this is the follower that he got. And his DM was real mean to him about it. He was like, "Oh, I get to control the follower. You get, huh? You get you get Jar Jar Binks only without the CGI makeup over the comical black guy." <laughs> Yeah, you get this black man who will dance around and be useless. And scared of everything. Yep, and he will have no point in the entire film where he shows any level of competence. And the whole party all. the whole party is just embarrassed at the racial caricature that the ma- that the uh, DM keeps delivering as if it's the funniest fucking thing. Oh yeah. No, it, it is definitely this party that that snails being an NPC makes total sense. Yeah, it really does. It's it's sad because you know I I'm pretty sure Marlon Wayans could probably do something good if he wanted to. But oh yeah, see the thing is after this you have him go on to do like Requiem for a Dream and you're like oh look at you you can act when someone isn't telling you to be a jackass. But this is a Dungeons and Dragons movie and he's like there's literally a scene where he flashes a gang sign. <laughs> there's another scene where he wants a fist bump. There's he just does oh oh. He's also attracted to the elf because the elf is the other person in the movie who was a black person. Yeah, the only other person in the movie. And none of this is Marlon Wayans' fault. It's just the movie was like, well, there's two black people in the movie. We better have them flirt with each other at least once. Yeah. Because if he flirts with the white woman in the movie, oh, all hell will break loose. Yeah. Oh, Lord. Okay, so, so there's so, them. Then you've got... Uh, so we've got we've got our, our two main heroes. Both rogues. I, I, yeah. Weird choice, but there you go. Uh, they encounter... Oh, well, let's start with where the movie starts. The movie doesn't start with any of them. The movie starts with uh, scenery-devouring Jeremy Irons. Yeah, Jeremy Irons uh, unhinges his jaw and consumes as much scenery as possible every time he is around. Jeremy Irons is Calculon from Futurama wearing a flesh suit. <laughs> Jeremy Irons is literally just Scar as a mage. That's exactly right. <laughs> he just shows up, and I keep wondering when he's going to reveal his plan to kill Mufasa. Well, he's gathering ham so as to create a ham golem. Oh, yeah. No, you you would normally need to go to a hog farm to find the level of ham that will come with Jeremy Irons. The, one of those first lines in the film is him ca- uh, cajoling a dragon to come closer to him, and he does it by going, ah, ca- 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 ca. <laughs> He actually gives us a little taste of Popeye. <laughs> yeah, everyone knows the verbal component to control dragon is It's amazing <laughs> It sounds like the dragon is about to demand his gold <laughs> Anyway, Jeremy Irons plays uh, Profion He he plays uh, Pathfinder on Pathfinder on uh, For the nerds in the audience, let's go ahead and put this out there We're going to be setting this movie up as if it was a uh, battle between 3.5 Or no, Pathfinder in 4th edition D&D over the ruins of 3.5. Yeah. Because if you view it through that lens... It makes total sense and becomes way better. It works all the way through. So, okay, so uh, Profion represents Pathfinderon, the conservative wizard who doesn't want anything to change except that he's in charge. Yeah, he wants there to be wizard supremacy, Mm -hmm. actual, literal wizard supremacy. Yes. Because the kingdom is run by mages. Meanwhile, the Empress Savina, or Serena... Savina. Savina... She wants everyone to be equal, and yeah. ev- everyone in the kingdom to have equal levels of power. So she's probably Ser- Empress Serena the Fourth Edition. Yeah, she wants going. to usher in the fourth age of this kingdom. Yes, just bear with us because it actually works <laughs> as you watch the movie if you view it this way. 
that everyone exists in three point X rules and they're trying to decide they're on a cusp of change. <laughs> <laughs> they're at a crossroads. Uh, so she's played by uh, Thora Birch. Yeah, who you may know as that chick from uh, American Beauty. The chick from uh, Ghost World. And nothing else. Thora Birch. In this movie, she always wears tight uh, outfits where you can't see the one thing that matters about Thora Birch. <laughs> yeah, and... Uh, Her awesome skin. She she has uh, basically Princess Amidala clothes on at all times. Oh, yeah. And she's... a lower level of acting than Natalie Portman in Star Wars. Oh, yeah. It's like... It's like watching a very slightly grown up but not mentally version of the childlike Empress from Prince uh, from uh, Neverending Story. Oh yeah, and she just walks around going, "I am confused because I think that everyone should be equal. This is what I need. I need this rod to save my kingdom. I would give my life for this." Yeah. There it's, you go. It's, it's real bad. It's especially bad when she's acting across Jeremy Irons. Oh, yeah. Who looks Jeremy like, Irons is sitting there going like, Counsel, tell me, what do you believe? And she's yeah. like, we should all be friends. Uh, he's acting with every single part of his face. Oh, it's, yeah. It's, it's like he reached out and sucked her powers away. <laughs> it, just seeing him double act while she just stands there and listens to it. It's, it's really weird. Oh, it's so good. So anyway, he tries to control a dragon and fails, and the dragon kills a mook. And the mooks are standing there. There's eight mooks standing at these two big wheels that they have to turn to open a door to a dragon. And then he goes, release the dragon. And they're like, what? Release the, what? What? Really? They all just are sort you of, sure? oh, huh? Like, they, have they been putting in eight-hour days for how long not letting that dragon out? That's all they do all day? Hey, Jim, another eight hours at the wheel? Yep. Yep. We have to turn it if someone wants the dragon. Ah, that'll never happen. Never happened before, it'll never happen again. <laughs> I'm glad we didn't get the constantly stirring the water job. <laughs> yeah, there's a scene where someone is apparently at a mill for water where water is pointing into some sort of grinding mechanism and he is... Picking up the water and putting it back into the thing. That's all he's doing. That is his job. Yep. Anyway, the he briefly tries to control the dragon with a rod he's made and can't. Yep. Uh, and then it cuts to Empress uh, Serena the Fourth, who discusses how in the future she'd like every class to be equivalent. Yep. And for everyone to have a good time instead of just mages, because this is a world that mages run. Yeah. Okay, so just keep that in mind. And then all of a sudden, the Council of Mages is like, But my feels! Yeah, they, they, the Council of Mages doesn't want to surrender their their ability to change the narrative of the game, irrelevant of what everyone else wants. Yeah. So uh, we then cut to our two thieves who decide that now would be a good time to steal from the mage. Yes. The, the mage school. We're calling them th- uh, thieves because calling them heroes is stupid. Yep. Uh, so they decide to go steal from a mage college. And the mage college has... Uh, kind of a Santa Claus in it, and then also has the mage main character of the story, uh, whose name is, like, Marina or something. Yeah. And uh, she's played by nobody. She is played by someone that you will not see in anything ever again as well. She looks a little bit like uh, like a Charisma Carpenter. Yeah, seeing her, you'd almost be certain that she had to be one of Buffy's friends or rivals at some point. Yeah, she really looks like she's from the class of Buffy. She's probably a little too old. Maybe because she's about the right age to be in Buffy school in two thousand. I, I don't know. It's about it's it's close, but uh, yeah. So she is a wizard. Yep, she's a low level wizard, and apparently every single spell she has needs uh, some components. It's the same component over and over again. Some glowing powder in a bag. Yep, 
And uh, she keeps getting that, and whenever she can't have it, she doesn't do anything. Yeah, at all. Not not a goddamn thing. Yeah. Maybe she'll hit someone with a torch. Okay, at this point, we get to meet the third or the last major character in this story. I mean, there's like several more characters in the story, but there's only one more that matters. When Bruce Payne enters as the thin blue lipped Damada. Yeah, Dramamine. Tramadol? <laughs> damn it all? <laughs> yeah. Demerol. Demerol. Yeah, Demerol. That's it. When, when Demerol. <laughs> when, when, uh, when Demerol is a kind of a fighter wizard sort of thing, and he works for the evil Emperor Pathfinder on. And he has a homunculus. He has a homunculus, so you know he's got to be some kind of wizard. Uh, he does nothing but whisper very slowly, stand around, and generally is the bad guy of the film. Yeah, because he has like two scenes where he'll punch someone to death, but mostly he's just there to whisper quietly. Yeah, he does a lot of that. Very slow talking. They even make fun of him for it in the movie, Yeah, that he talks too slow. So anyway, he shows up to try and take a scroll from the wizards, because the scroll... Here we go, let's get the plot out of the way. The scroll tells you where to get the Eye of the Dragon, and then the Eye of the Dragon is used to unlock the door to the treasure palace, where the rod that can control red dragons is. Yeah, because Savina has the rod that controls gold dragons, that's what you get for being empress. Yes, and Profion wants the rod that controls red dragons so he can defeat the gold dragons, and then... Usher in a new age of uh, basically 3.5 supplements. Yeah. So, Apparently. We have no idea what the politics of this world actually are. You know, there's a tower that looks to be several miles high. It's we, full of wizards. Yeah, we know wizards are in charge and they want to stay in charge. The, the movie has like ten characters in it, so you don't really get a sense of what it is that they're arguing over or fighting about. Yep. You just There's, there's some thieves and they, are, they don't care about all this wizard stuff and there's wizard stuff. Yeah. All right. So anyway, uh, they try and get the scroll... Uh, they kill the old Santa man that was training the wizard. Let's just call her Marina, because I'm guessing that's right. Why not? And um, then they <laughs> escape. The three of them. The two the two rogues and the wizard escape. And then they, they run and fall into a pile of trash that happens to be the home of a dwarf. Yep. The dwarf is never given a name in the film. They have a dwarf. He has a name in the credits, but no one ever calls him anything. No. It's almost like he's there and they can't stop him from being there, and that's it. Like, he's an extra in the film that just keeps pushing himself into the frame. Like, I'm still here, I'm the dwarf. And the guy who plays the dwarf also plays Grumpy in Once Upon a Time, so he went on from this to continue playing a dwarf. Yep, he's a, he's a, a man of many dwarven talents. Yeah. In this film, he is roused by humans falling on him in his pile of garbage he owns, and he gets up and grunts indecipherably and goes off to fight Bruce Payne briefly. And uh, then he just follows them around after that. Yeah. He's just also with them. He has maybe five or six lines. Most of them are about food or yeah. gold. Yeah, he's mostly, I don't like elves. Uh, I don't like horses. I do like eating. Yeah, and you have to pay me gold. Yep. And the, that's all you get out of the dwarf. Uh, the one, let's give him a positive. The one positive thing, not a Scot. He's There's no Scottish accent. I just don't want the Scottish accent. John actually hates Scots, and so yeah. didn't want him to be one of them. They are Filthy people, and I do not want to be associated with them in any way. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Longshanks. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. We then we go have to a, them on the run. They go to a bar, of course, because this Dungeons & Dragons, so they have to have a tavern yeah. conversation. In the bar, we encounter a bunch of orcs that look like Krogans. We encounter halflings, which are midgets. Yep. And we encounter some random bullshit Star Wars cantina stuff that has no basis in 
anything. Oh in yeah, it's like they just forgot what D and D was and was like, ah, oh, whatever. What do we got? Purple grease paint. Use that. That's fine. Go. What do we got? Some sort of mouthpiece thing. Just slap it on some guy. Get out, get out of my face about this. Just make it look all monstery in there. Yeah. So, so they discuss briefly what the map is, and then uh, and then the uh, the empress sends her best tracker to find them, which happens to be the elf Norda. She gets a name. Yeah, Norda gets slightly more to say than anyone else uh, that isn't the main, main characters. But I'd say less to do. Oh, yeah. She well, has... her entire job is to stop other people from doing things as well. Yeah. It's like she's there to hinder the the events of the story. Anytime when the characters are like, wait a minute, this is all just bullshit. <laughs> right before they get the chance to say bullshit, she's like, shh, 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 shh. Elf stuff. <laughs> Elves. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. She's wearing armor. Oh, yes, she is. That it's just boobs. Her armor is just one of those... It is a literal breastplate. Literally one of those plastic boob plates you can buy at, like, novelty stores if you want to dress as a girl for, like, a bachelor party. Someone took that and spray-painted it with silver uh, paint, made sure to accentuate the nipples real good, (laughs) and then slapped it on her. And I I have to assume she fought this tooth and nail. Oh, yeah. No, it is... It is... Like, those paintings of the most horrible fantasy armor that you can imagine... That's basically what that is. Yeah. And she's just got upward-pointing big nipple boobs made out of armor. She looks like a C-3PO Tracy Lords hybrid. Ah, <laughs> uh, I see you've read my fanfic. <laughs> I read all your fanfics, <laughs> dear friend of mine. <laughs> so, they all get together, and Tramadol shows up, and he's angry, and then they jump through another portal again. Yeah, he chases them into the woods. Two of them have been hanging out in a magic map. And then they pop out of the map, and they're no longer in the tavern. Instead, they're in the woods, and they just keep having boy-girl flirt fight instead of doing anything about it. Yeah. Because the main character has to slowly fall in love with the wizard. The best part was, apparently everything inside the map, there was some wraith in the map that told them what they needed to do and how to do it and everything. But instead of that, we just have them pop out of the map and go, Yeah, there was a wraith. He told us we need to go find this gem. It's in this town. Let's go! Clickety-clack, click, <laughs> move along! <laughs> Yeah, that is straight, Elf stuff. <laughs> straight up the DM just going like, all right, uh, roll gather information. All right, here's what you get. Oh, might as well, well, as long as we're talking the D&D, the dwarf's a fighter and the elf's a ranger. Yeah. Are we good so on that? So we've got a party that is two rogues, a fighter, a ranger, and a wizard with no components so they can't cast any spells. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, your, that's your party. Oh, and the ranger refuses to do anything other than intone elf things. Oh, yeah. No, the, the person playing the ranger is really trying to role-play, not role-play. I, I, I kind of picture that the person playing the ranger has, does not look up from their phone. <laughs> at, at any point during the session, saying, like, huh? Oh, um, my character does elf stuff. Okay, good news. <laughs> hey, hey Norda, what are you... Shh, 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 shh. Elf stuff. Back to Bejeweled. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Also, the guy playing the dwarf will just constantly get up and go get food and stuff. And they're like, <laughs> yeah, all right. And so the party shows up. Wait, where the fuck is the dwarf? This happens two or three times in this film. The dwarf's the characters gone. characters themselves are like, where'd the dwarf go? Yeah, and, and he's just gone from the scene, and then he's just in the next shot of the scene. Yeah, he's just standing next to the rogues in the next scene like, I'm also here now. I'm here now. <laughs> 
It just keeps happening. I mean, I don't want to call this movie brilliant <laughs> for, for actu- actively recreating what D&D is actually like. Oh, yeah. But every time that character disappears and reappears, I'm like, oh, it's like he just didn't show up that day. Yeah, no, it's just he wasn't there for that session, and then he showed up again, and he's like, hi, I'm here, I'm up to speed. I'm up to carry on. So... <laughs> So there you go. Uh, they, so they find out they need to get the dragon's eye, which is a gem being held by... A thief! A thief. Because we didn't have enough thieves yet. Well, yeah, he's the head of the thieves' guild in some town. So they go to the thieves' guild and they encounter a bunch of thieves living in a big... It's one of those hideouts like like uh, kids lived in, in, like bad kids lived in in the 90s, like where the Foot Clan hangs out. Oh, yeah. No, this is this is straight up some like Lost Boys level shit in yeah. there. Yeah, there's a lot of, like, rock couches and hot babes, and there's, like, way too many thieves in there. It's like, isn't it the middle of the day? Shouldn't you guys out be, thief- be out thieving? Nah, man, we're a union. Yeah. No. We thief for <laughs> an hour a day. we have a thief guild. <laughs> Local Thieves 540. <laughs> and, uh, and then they meet the head of the thieves guild, Riff Raff. Uh, Riff Raff. It's actually, uh, I forget that guy's name, but it's the guy yeah, who plays... Tom, Tom Bombadil. Tom Bombadil plays Riff Raff. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's the guy from Rocky Horror Picture Show, uh, looking kind of like John Waters. Yeah, he he's uh, he's hamming it up. I will say, of all of the actors in this, that guy is second only to Jeremy Irons in the level of give a fuck that he has for his acting. Yeah, you no, know, he's really into it. Oh yeah, which is he's only in like four movies, so so you know he's gonna he's gonna work it in every movie he's in. Yeah, he is he is amazing. So he tells them that they can have the Dragon's Eye because it is the prize for successfully running the maze that's in the middle of the Thieves' Guild. And uh, only Justin Whalen's allowed to go in there because all the other actors in this movie are refuse to do any action sequences at any time. Yeah, nobody is allowed to do anything to move the plot except for Justin Whalen. Yeah, it's uh, he's definitely the DMPC of the game. <laughs> you gonna agree on that one too? Like, I always... think I'm pretty sure he is being played by like the, the DM's, DM's girlfriend. girlfriend. Yeah. So, the, so he goes into this maze, which is just traps. There's no monsters or anything in there. It's just a bunch of him detecting yeah. traps. And it is a bunch of traps. detect traps and disable traps. Yeah, That's so what this whole thing is. It's reminding you what rogues do. Yeah, it's, hey, remember, this guy's a rogue. He has these abilities. Yeah, so, so he evades a couple of traps, and uh, he... It's stupid. He has to, like, okay, he has to dodge some blades, and then dodge some more blades, and then dodge some fire, and then dodge some more blades, and then he gets the dragon's eye... And then the riffraff is like, hey, give me that gem. I've been waiting for someone to get through that maze to that gem because apparently someone a long time ago put it in there and we haven't been able to get it out yet. We just built a thieves' guild around it. Yeah. That's all this. This whole thieves' guild is an elaborate ruse to trick idiots to going into that maze. (laughs) There was a maze down there and we figured, well, this is a good enough place to build something. For decades, we've lived with this big maze in here with all these thieves and not once have we thought, why don't we just take that thing apart? Why don't, we, why don't we send more than one guy in there? Yeah, why don't we just get it? Because there's windows that open windows that look in on the room with the with the dragon's eye. Oh yeah, they've got a uh, an above ground view of it, so they're looking down on him while he's doing this. But you're like, you know, you could just like walk to the last room and jump in and grab that shit, right? Or you could just hire a mage to telekinesis out of there. Yeah, it's not I mean, like there's any shortage. Mages are everywhere in this universe. That's supposed to be what mages are. They're just everywhere. You've got mage colleges and shit. Noticeably, this universe lacks clerics. Yeah. You will have one healer in this entire thing. And he just says that he's an elf, not a cleric. He he gets to do it because he's an elf. Yeah. Well, that's because he is uh, played by Tom Baker. Tom Bombadil. So... Doctor Who shows up, 
says, fuck 3.5, fuck Pathfinder, and fuck 4th edition. I'm playing original D&D. I'm an elf. Yeah. And I have spells. My class is elf. Yeah. So anyway, uh, the evil riffraff guy, Xylus, I want to say, betrays them, demands the gem, and then... Uh, what do we call him? Demerol? Yeah, then Demerol shows up again. And, and just like he does every time, he shows up, kills the people that are currently hindering the, par- the, the party, and then they escape from him. Yep. Uh, but this time around, he manages to grab what's-her-nuts, Mar- Marina? Yeah, Mar- we're, Marina. We're calling yeah, her that. Marina. Mar- grabs whatever. Marina. Grabs the wizard lady. And then they go off and have to... Wait, does that happen now? Yeah. Okay, sure. So he grabs Marina and... Uh, interrogates her, has one moment of actual acting where he's like, oh my god, I've got a weird parasite in me that the main fucking villain put in me. Yeah, Profion throws a weird tentacle thing into his head, so tentacles can come out of his ears and they have little flower mouths, and he hates it, but apparently it gives him superpowers. Yeah, he can use the tentacle things coming out of his ears to drain the thoughts out of her? We're way too far through this movie for for how far we ended the story. Let's talk about Demerol or Dameron or whatever. Demarin for a minute here. Okay, first of all, he's wearing blue lipstick and he has light blue teeth. Yeah, so he basically looks like he is constantly in any scene where he is not on camera eating Fun Dip all the time. Yeah, he just never stops eating Fun Dip. He has bright red ears. I mean, we're talking like, like painted on bright red. Like he put lipstick on his ears. Oh yeah, no, he... The, 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 I I don't know that I can really overstate how bad all of the makeup effects are in this movie. Mm -hmm. Every single one of them is just awful. Like, the orcs look like they are just wearing, I went to a Halloween store and bought an orc mask, orc masks. There's a purple guy with a tongue that he keeps poking out and three eyes. What the hell is that? And there's... There's a guy with like he's blue. The blue but guy. He, he, the fucking he blue just guy. sort of gave up halfway through his neck, and it just stops being blue. Okay, just picture the guy that's sad when the rancor dies. Picture that guy. I think his name's Malakili. Picture, <laughs> picture him, and he put some blue crap on his face, and he was gonna start putting it on his neck, but he ran out of blue crap, so he stopped. Yep, that's that character. And then there's a guy who just sort of looks like he tried to put camo makeup on and lost interest halfway through. Yeah, I guess he's a lizard man. I don't know. But there's a lot of this. It's like it's like they just let them into a party city for ten minutes. We get, At one point, we get two elves that have some paper mache half jaws. Like, they took some paper mache, made skulls, skulls like skulls, animal skulls, and put them on the side of their face and didn't even, like, make masks out of it. It is straight up just like we took some string, put this paper mache half of a jaw of a skull near our face, and called it a day. It looks like if you taught a four-year-old paper mache and asked them to make the Bluetooth that Daddy's always wearing. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a, it's like a headset. They look ridiculous, and, and and that's basically just the theme of the film. And well, there's CGI in this, of course, too, because it's the year 2000. Don't even worry about whether or not there's CGI. There's there's CGI blood, there's CGI dragons. When they go, when the two thieves go in to rescue, they have the elf and the dwarf with them, they go to rescue Marina from Dem- Demerol's castle, but uh, the elf stomps the dwarf and is like, no, they have to do this. We can't do this. It's a module. We, we are not meant to enter here. Only they are. It's a module for two rogues. Levels three to five. <laughs> she has no reason to stop the dwarf. She just does because that's what was in that scene. 
Yeah, they... Okay, but this is why we're talking about it. They have to get past a beholder. They certainly do. For no reason at all, there's a beholder in this, and it's just there because they were like, well, it's D&D, we should put a beholder in here. But it's working for mooks. Yeah, it's basically a dog. Yeah, and it acts that way. Like, he throws a rock, and it just immediately goes, and, like, runs over to see what it is. Yeah, I thought it was kind of cool looking when they first show it, because you see the back of it, and it's breathing real heavy. So you can kind of see these three big pads on it inflate and deflate where it's breathing. I thought that was kind of neat. They were like, oh, we're actually going to give it some beholder biology. This is going to be neat. Yeah, it's got little air sacs that it breathes into. Okay, great. Maybe they have to fight this thing. They shouldn't, because they're clearly very low level. Oh, yeah, this thing is just going to straight up disintegrate them, but whatever. Well, they they just throw a rock, and it goes... It just zips off in the opposite direction. And then they see it again once, again running through a hallway without noticing them. Yep, and that's it. There's the beholder. Does nothing, does not interact with anyone. Also, oddly enough, has retractable eye stalks. That was a weird choice. I, I thought it was kind of neat. Yeah, I but it, see why not. it was odd. It was just sort of a complete sphere, and then eye stalks just pop out of it. I figured that was just so that people who were in the audience who were like knew what a beholder was could be surprised. Be like, oh, a beholder! Oh, that's what that round floating thing was. Well, maybe it's one of the mini beholder variants that yeah, are way worse. Yeah, it's one of the beholder kin. Yeah, like one of the ones that doesn't have eye stalks. There's like several of those. Oh, yeah. Or even that one that's just a gas cl- ball that that is designed to impersonate beholders so that when people hit them with a sword, it explodes and gets gas on them. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense from an ecological perspective when you think about it. Yeah, I mean, really. Because on. the one thing that you really want to impersonate in a dungeon is is the most dangerous thing in the dungeon so that people will attack you. Well, I mean, mostly you want to impersonate the most dangerous thing in the dungeon so that everything else in the dungeon leaves you alone. They just don't count on adventurers. They're the wild card. Right, and then they attack you, and your natural defense is to kill yourself so as to poison the room with gas. Yeah, I mean, much like every nerd. <laughs> <laughs> okay, they kill themselves because Battlestar Galactic is over. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Okay. okay, so anyway, they get past the fucking Beholder. So the Beholder does nothing. Great. Then they decide it's time to split up, gang. And that's when uh, Snails gives his his actual character development speech. He might as well have just said, Okay, I'm going to go die in a different room. Because <laughs> he's, like, he's like, Hey, Ridley, I want you to be extra careful, okay? You too, Snails. <laughs> Yeah, so Snails goes off and is going to find the map, and he finds... A suit of Demerol's armor. Yeah, so uh, Demetrodon has has a suit of armor, and he walks up to it and is just like, Which is perfect. He does an amazing impression of of, uh, Dodecahedron. (laughs) And, uh, And then he goes to get the map. And falls into, what are we calling it, a pit of marshmallow cream? Yeah, he falls into the marshmallow pit, which is a fake carpet that is supposed to be quicksand with painted on carpet on top, but is clearly made of fluffernutter. Yeah, it it's basically he fell into a painted oatmeal pit, yeah. and that what was a, an issue for some reason. What a complicated trap. This guy had an, a big pit of gross marshmallow oatmeal, and then he had artisans come in and paint carpet over it. Oh, yeah. Detailed, intricate Persian rug carpet. Oh, yeah. It's not just like, it was red. No, no. It had patterns. It was like white and brown and gold, and they were all and it's swirly. Like, it's like seven feet across. Guys had to be lowered down on gant- from gantries to paint this, because otherwise they'd fall into it and ruin the whole thing. Oh, yeah. You couldn't reach the middle of it without some sort of contraption. Yeah. The actual construction of this trap was 
way more... Like, they would have to have been in this castle where they were staying for days. Yeah, just building this stupid foam pit. In case someone showed up. Just yeah. in case. And, and in case that person was a rogue who would fail his detect traps roll. And also only if that person came at the table from one specific angle. Yeah. If he had walked over to the map from the side of the table, nothing would have happened. Yeah, I mean, there's like four or five more carpets in the room, so we can assume that most of those other carpets are also pits of marshmallow goo. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, anyway, it turns out that uh, that uh, Demerol is not wearing his suit of armor because he's wearing his other suit of armor. Yeah, he's wearing his daytime armor. Yeah, That's that his evening wear his, armor. His sleep armor was, was the one that was sitting there. Yeah, his armor pajamas. Because he shows up fully armored, drags snails out of the pit of marshmallow cream, and then throws him at the other armor. Yeah, and also pulls him out, doesn't take the map away, and just sort of dicks around with him. He just throws him around the room like, well, you know, I've already got you out of the marshmallow pit. It would be a shame if I didn't smear marshmallow and everything in here. Yeah, I, I clearly have a bunch of expensive tapestries and carpets and beds. And, and a, a bag of magic powder, which is going to matter later, because remember, Marina is out of magic powder. So uh, I'm just going to throw your marshmallow oatmeal-covered ass around my room so you can get every possession I have covered in shit. Right. And then I'm going to let you attack me, because I'm going to keep doing that villain thing where I just stand there. Oh, yeah. Where I let you just menace me with a knife while I stare imperiously at you and then slap you again. Yeah, and occasionally say, really? Oh, do you think that will do any good? Yeah, this guy is... This guy's classic old stuff villain. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, aside from the fact that he is fabulous. Oh, yeah. The fact that he is completely ridiculous. Literally, if you put grease paint on this guy, like white grease paint, he'd be a clown. <laughs> he has blue lips and a red ears and a red nose. All he needs is white face paint, and he's a clown. He's he's a, a face paintless clown villain. There you go. All yeah. right. And uh, so while, while Snails is falling into marshmallow pits, our actual lead hero finds... Uh, Marina, no problem. No problem Doesn't at all. Doesn't run into anyone. Manages to find some keys somewhere. <laughs> he has keys. He has keys to this castle. We never see where he gets these keys. <laughs> he just shows up, unlocks the door, and is like, hey, let's go. Let's go. That's easy, right? No problem. Yeah. You can clearly tell that the DM was like, all right, so snails, you all, oh, your detect traps didn't work. I rolled a 19. Not high enough. Oh. You fall into the marshmallows. Oh, and it looks like my villain showed up. All right, honey, what do you do? I rolled a ten. Oh, well, that's enough to find the keys. And, uh, roll. Oh, no random encounters. You're fine. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... So Ridley manages to get Marina out of the castle, but all they start doing is following the girlish screams of snails. And when they find snails, he is... Currently in the grasp of Clowny McBlue Lips. Look at Juggalol. Yeah, and so Fun Dip tells him that if he gives him the map, he'll give him Snails. And uh, instead, Snails throws the map, because Snails is the one with the map at that point. He wanted the jewel. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he wanted to. Get your, get your dumbass MacGuffin straight. There's only like 80 of them in this stupid thing. <laughs> so he has this jewel that's the dragon's eye, and Demerol says he's willing to trade it for the map, but no one trusts Demerol. But anyway, Snails throws the map three feet in front of himself, and it lands on the floor way closer to the bad guys than the good guys, which is enough for the bad guy to kill him with his cool Wolverine blades. Yeah, he's got some little, like, cestus things going on. He's got, he literally has three holes on the top of his wrist thing, and it pops little swords out. Oh, good. So he actually has a Wolverine claw. So he uses that to kill uh, Snails and throw him off the castle wall. 
Yeah. And then they have a fight, and he wins the fight. Dam- uh, D- Damodal or whatever manages to stab Ridley real good. We're talking through above the shoulder blade, down into the middle of him. Yeah, he gets he gets wrecked. He yeah. just Major League Gaming wrecked. Yeah, that's a solid crit right there. <laughs> Anyway, Marina picks him up, realizes that there's some magic powder on Snails' corpse. So manages to use the same magic powder to cast a sort of lightning ball spell. Yeah, the lightning ball. She also casts a lasso and a bunch of portals and a regular hold person. Yeah, so they manage to get through this portal and somehow there's an elf village... I guess nearby, right? Because they make it there before Ridley dies. And then, Nor- yeah, Norda shows up as well with the dwarf, and then they go to an elf village. And, and Doctor Who decides he's going to be a healer. Yeah, so Doctor Who basically puts his hands on Ridley, and, and Ridley changes color briefly, and then gets up, uh, and he's like, "What was that?" And he goes, "Well, you humans merely use magic. Us elves are a part of magic." Yes. Now. Follow me through space and time! <laughs> I, I'm surprised they didn't just say, I'm a cleric. <laughs> like, <laughs> what was that? Healing magic. Yeah. I worship Melora. Whatever. It's not that complicated. There's a whole extra set of classes we don't even talk. I could, he doesn't even need to be a cleric. He could be a druid. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no. So, and the weird thing is, they don't even mention the actual third edition classes by name. They'll say thieves and mages. But no one ever says wizard, wizard yeah. or rogue. Or sorcerer. There's none of that. No, no one says fighter. No one says ranger. She's just a tracker. Yeah. So it's... It's almost like they didn't have the license to this game. No, it really feels like someone made a Dungeons & Dragons movie, but didn't want to actually do anything Dungeons & Dragonsy because they thought they would get sued for it. I th- exactly. Like, they sold this thing to Dungeons & Dragons after the fact. Yeah, they're like, oh, we made a movie and we skirted a little too close to D&D. Would you like to buy it? Look, we could turn these Krogans we put in this into orcs and and uh, I, I, I guess we could probably it, it put some extra ears on this this uh, ranger lady so she looks elfy because that's all they have doing for her. She's... Yeah, there's no, there is no weird elf stuff. It is just straight up, I've got some Spock ears on. Right, and the dwarf's the same size as everybody else, too. Let's get that through. Oh, yeah, the, the dwarf's dwarf, a Viking. That's what, that's what that is. The dwarf is just a shorter than normal human with a lot of beard. Like bright red beard. He actually just kind of looks like Hagar the Horrible. <laughs> yeah, so he's great. Yeah, Everything's he's great. the best character in the movie because he, he doesn't do anything stupid all the way through it. Uh, so, after Ridley gets healed, he makes out with uh, Madeira. Yeah, he's real sad about <laughs> the death of snails, and he has to. Uh, he, he yells at her about how wizards are unfair and overpowered, and she's like, "Well, not all wizards want to be unfair and Hashtag overpowered. Hashtag not all wizards. Yeah. <laughs> Some wizards want to just have daily powers and encounter powers, <laughs> just like you. And and then they make out, and and then they give him a cool elf sword. Yeah, he gets. I don't know, some sword that briefly glows blue. In the presence of uh, Demerol's lips. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So, then they get a slap on the ass and are sent packing to go, (laughs) I don't know, find the scepter of Red Dragon Control. Yeah, they have to find the rod of Red Dragon Control, which they do by taking that jewel and that map that they have and using it to find a room with what is literally the cover of the first edition Dungeons & Dragons Player's Handbook. And then, when they find the dungeon, 
So Ridley goes through, and then everyone else is stalked by a wall of force because we're not allowed to have anyone else do anything. Right. Oh my god, could you imagine that party campaign? Like, okay, uh... Oh, what do you know? Only my girlfriend can get through the wall of magic power. Oh, looks like right after she went through, a wall of force went up. Does anyone have the ability to get through a wall of force? No, we're all too low level. Huh. How unusual. A curse is placed on you where you have to read the letter K in the dictionary. (laughs) Come, Uh, honey, it's time for pizza and further adventure. Yeah. So, Ridley goes into the dungeon, sees that it is full of treasure, grabs a handful, and he's like, Nope, not gonna do it. Not this time, snails. Not and this time. Why? Why? It's not like it's cursed treasure. And, That's and never been brought up. he specifically mentioned snails, which you'd think he'd be like, I'm gonna take a handful of treasure for you, snails, because you totally would have done this because you're terrible at everything. Because that was your one character trait, snails. <laughs> the only thing you had going for you was you were greedy. You wanted things. <laughs> so... Then he talks to a skeleton. Yeah, the Crypt Keeper shows up briefly. The Crypt Keeper wants him to know that he's got a scare of a good time for him. <laughs> and he wants all the boils and ghouls to know that this dragon control rod will absolutely be a frightful good time! <laughs> uh, so he tells him that the rod of dragon control can only be used by people who are special and have the power to use it. Yeah, if you're a special snowflake, then you can use the rod of dragon control. Yep, here's the artifact of the game, which only the major character can use. And it, let's just say this, it is a Nerf toy. It's a Nerf bow <laughs> with a Christmas ornament tra- <laughs> stapled, to, stapled to it. It straight up looks like someone took a one of the large plastic candy cane things you'd find at Christmas, wrapped it in red electrical tape, and then dangled some shit they found at Michael's off of it. It's That is what it looks like. It's got that kind of gleamy plastic like you see on a brand new squirt gun. Yeah, that, that's what it's. That's what you see with this thing. Oh God! When he when he grabs it and turn and, and holds it up, it glows, and you're just like, oh, you can kind of see the little screw portal where you put in the two AA batteries. <laughs> so he leaves the dungeon, and what do you know? There's Dammerdon, and he's got the party all taken care of, and he slightly nicks the mage and is like, "Give me that shit." He's, it's a great line. He says, "He says, oh." I have cut her. <laughs> and she has a little tiny cut on her. Like, just like just like, like a little baby cut. Like, oh no, I fucked up shaving kind of cut. Yeah, like a like a paper cut. And Ugh. he says, Oh, I've cut her. Pray I don't do it again. Or something. And he's like, Oh, I'll give you whatever <laughs> you want. I'll give you a, here's here's the rod. He throws the rod to him, and at that point, after he throws the rod to him, then the dwarf and the elf and the wizard are all like, Brah! And they oh, yeah. superman so, their way out of everything. So he he's just like yeah, if I if I give you this rod, do you promise to let them go? Yes. And then he throws the rod to him, and he's like, I lied. I was trustworthy a moment ago. And then they they try to do something, and the elf just straight up murders the two people holding her. Yeah, she has, like... The dwarf then turns around and murders the three people holding him, and you're like... What were you waiting for? Also, listen, the elf clearly, she looks like she draws daggers and starts stabbing people. I watched this real closely. She doesn't have any daggers. She has nothing. Yeah. She's just holding her hands in little fists. Like, they couldn't afford some daggers for her because that would have been complicated for the shot. So instead, she just puts her fists on guys' backs over and over again and they die. So, yeah... The and no one gets to be shown being killed because this movie's very PG rated. Yeah, well, this is still probably far enough ago that 
there was still that D&D stigma, so they're like, let's not have any graphic shenanigans because we want to try and redeem the idea of D&D. The one time you see blood in this movie, it's dragon blood, and it looks like a CGI screensaver from the 90s. Yeah, I mean, it really just looks like someone dropped some red paint, is the consistency of it. Yeah, and the dragon has just been killed by having a gate dropped on it, Rancor style, which is not doing any favors to the dragon. Yeah. Because the, the Rancor was in a movie 23 years earlier, and it looks 10 times more real. Yep. And, uh, so... <laughs> So, the party beats the shit out of their captors after, uh, Damerol gets his scepter, his scepter rods. and then he, he can open a portal. He can, yeah, he's a fighter mage. We've established he owns a homunculus. But he's the only one who gets to cast things without having any components. He just opens a portal. Yeah, and then he jumps through, and then Justin... Wait, I'm sorry, Ridley jumps through, and then the portal closes, because Lord knows you can't let the other party members do anything. Yeah, once again, no one else is allowed to do anything. Yeah. So they, he jumps through, and then he gets there, and there's... Yeah, so meanwhile, back in the kingdom, there was some politics going on, there were trade negotiations. Yeah, it's... it's the very... Gungans were there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so... Someone called for a vote of no confidence on Chancellor Valorum. <laughs> So, uh, Savina, the council is like... Yeah, Tom Savini. Yeah, Tom Savini shows up, and they're like, give me your rod of zombies, and he's like, nah, bro. He... Okay, he... So, (laughs) Serena keeps insisting, or Savina, keeps insisting that uh, all people should be equal, and that she'll die for that. And the only way she's retaining her power is she has the rod of gold dragon control. Mm -hmm. And so the council is like, alright, well... If you relinquish the Rod of Gold Dragon Control, then you can remain Empress. And you're like, but if she relinquishes that, then you can just tell her to go fuck herself. What does it matter? And he, it, okay, so they have a big fight, and then uh, uh, Jeremy Irons comes stalking in, and he gives his big old cool Jeremy Irons scenery-eating speech. And then it's over, and she kind of loses, and he kind of wins. And then they go up on a big tower. And again, don't think you're in a kingdom. You're in a CGI tower. You're They're literally miles above any kind of city. There's only like ten people in the movie. So he takes some wizards, and he goes up to this battlement on a tower, and red dragons are attacking them. Well, gold dragons are attacking now, because she has used her gold dragon control ah, yes, rod. Yes, so gold dragons are attacking them. So she has decided, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to liquidate Congress... With my dragons, uh, so, you know, that's not an abuse of power, but that's fine, whatever. Yeah. And she decides it would be a great idea to ride one into battle like a goddamned moron. Which means you get a bunch of shots of her clearly just sitting on a couch somewhere. Oh, yeah, doing that, like, whoa, whoa. Yeah. (laughs) It's like... It's like pictures of your kid in Santa's sleigh. That's that's what you get for this. The effects on this on these shots. Oh, this is this is straight up like if you've been to Universal Studios and you sit in a chair and they're like, "Here's a green screen behind you. Everyone else will see what's going on." All right, look surprised. Whoa, that's that's what she's doing. That and that is the level of quality. Uh, it I is. maintain that Thora Birch was not told that this movie was called Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> I think she probably thought it was a TV pilot. Yeah. This. God. Okay. So. So we, okay, so Damodal pops up through the porter or portal, and he's like, "I've got this rod of dragon control. You promised you'd take this stupid superpowered parasite out of my head." And so he takes the rod, and Jerry Irons turns around and looks at him, and you really think you're going to get another one of those "I lied" moments, he's laughing maniacally because he is laughing maniacally, and then he just goes. Okay, zaps him, and then the parasite is gone, his ears are no longer red, and he's fine. 
Jeremy Irons true to his word. Yeah, Jeremy Irons the only villain in this because the uh the uh the leader of the thieves guild betrays them. Mm-hmm. Uh Doll betrays them. And then it gets to Jeremy Irons and he's like, "No, I kept my word. No, you're cool, man." Yeah, you're you're a loyal dude, and I said I would take that shit out if you got me the rod. You did great. Several minutes later, Justin Whalen also pops through the portal and then kills him after he has the parasite taken out of him. So uh, Dumbledore a- goes ahead and gets stabbed and tossed off of the building. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the end of uh, what, we're, what we call him at the end there. Dumbledore, sure, that's yeah. fine. Yeah, because he gets pushed but, off of a tower. Let, let, we gotta go through this fight, because he pops up and he's one mad at him, and they have one of those fights where they just keep swinging their swords at each other from about eight feet away, so that only their swords could possibly impact oh, yeah. other it's, sword. It is swings that could not do anything at all. Yeah, it's, it's high school stage fighting, and every time their swords hit, you get a little flash of red lightning for one sword and yellow lightning for the other, because one of them's a good sword and the other one's an evil sword, and then... He manages to kill him by doing a cool backflip, which is a thing for him. He does several backflips in the movie. Yep. Uh, Lands, stabs him in the back, and throws him off the battlements. Oh, backstab. Woo. The, yeah, got an actual backstab in. The end of Damodol. Yeah, we don't get to see the sword go through him again because this movie does not want to actually show violence. No, so just you get a lot of characters stabbing other characters and breathing really hard into their ear. <laughs> that, that happens a lot. Yeah. Okay, then he starts fighting Jeremy Irons because all the other wizards he took up there are gone. Yeah, they just either died or disappeared. They went off with the dwarf. They're off with the dwarf having pizza. <laughs> so, so, uh, so Jeremy Irons fights him by summoning sum- a staff. Summoning a staff that just auto parries for him. Well, he doesn't even move it. He summons a staff and then Ridley tries to hit him three times, and each time he does it by trying to hit the staff. Yeah, it hits the staff. The staff apparently has some sort of green force field around it, and he doesn't do anything or move at all. He doesn't, for example, try to stab Jeremy Irons. He just keeps going for these big baseball swings at a stick. Yep, that he has previously established does not work. Then he kicks... Uh, uh, what do we... What's his name? Oh, Pathfinder on. Kicks uh, kicks him to the ground and is menacing him. And then the rest of the party shows up. And all three of them show up and go like, like ah, I'm here to help. And he just casts hold person on them. Yep. That's, that's all they get to do. Each person shows up and one by one he's like, okay, and zap, you're done. And Dwarf shows up, and Zap, you're done. And Elf shows up, and Zap, ha-ha, I'll say a line to you because you're slightly more important than the Dwarf. And you're done. Yeah. And then, I, at that point, let's just get this over with, fuck. Ridley breaks the staff, or the Rod of Red Dragon Control, which he apparently stole from the bad guy. And uh, this causes him to go to freak out, and then a Gold Dragon shows up and eats him. Yep. And uh, the Gold Dragon... Uh, consumes him, and then starts flying away, and it follows the dragon for a while. The amount that I wanted a comedic burp. The, and it doesn't happen. And you you really think, oh, it's going to happen. You keep following the dragon. There's got to be a reason you're following it. Oh, no. No, there isn't. If, if a giant monster eats the main villain of the film... It burps. It burps. By God, it burps. When the Rancor eats the storm, the, the uh, Gamorrean, it burps. When uh, the Sarlacc Pit eats Boba Fett, it burps. I want a burp, sir. I got no burp. Yeah. Not even ADR'd in, like all of Thora Birch's lines. <laughs> so, uh, and apparently, when you destroy the Rod of Dragon Control, instead of then having a city full of red dragons that are under no She's one's just control, freaking out, fucking everything up, they go, oh, okay, let's leave now. Yeah, they all just fly away, and so do the gold dragons, because there's... 
you only need one CGI spectacle that looks like a DVD from the early 2000s of techno music. Oh my god, it is so bad. Like, it looks like those old uh, 3DI yeah. games where it's like, there's a dragon! It's like the dragon that you see standing over the opening credits in a gauntlet game. Like, you're never going to fight him. He just pops up and goes, like, once. Like, one little forward hand motion. He looks like... They they look like dragons on the CGI displays of slot machines. (laughs) Uh, Pretty much, yeah. No, this is, like, some freshman in... Uh, graphic designs project for the year. I don't want to make fun of this too bad because I, 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 like on on a on a small level, I want to say, oh well, you know, this is two thousand. How good was it going to be? Well, let's see. What came out in nineteen ninety four, John? Jurassic Park. How good did the dinosaurs look in Jurassic Park? Real fucking good. Yeah, they sure did. These dragons, on the other hand, are worse than the dragons from the contemporary video game Panzer Dragoon. <laughs> so yeah, no, it's it's real, real, real bad. Yeah. No comedic burp. That's what, that's what, I'm so angry you have no idea. Anyway, at that point, it cuts to a cemetery, and uh, now wearing studded leather, sweet, cool black armor, and something like six belts, we get to see uh, Ridley standing there over the corpse, or the, uh, not the corpse, the, the, (laughs) way better. Oh man, if he was standing over the corpse of snails, just it was still there and they hadn't done anything with it, (laughs) it was like, hey man. It still didn't do much. I mean, okay, her whole deal was that everyone in the city is now equal. They actually give Thora Birch an ADR line. Like, you don't see her when she says it. It's just announced over a view of the city. She just goes, I have pronounced all of you equal. Everyone in this city is equal now. It is equality. What? What does that mean? Yeah, you are all equal. I'm now going to go back to my palace and riches. But, I mean, just be assured that we are equal, though. I can still use magic, and you can't. (laughs) So, uh... So then... We get the moment where Ridley kneels next to the pile of rocks. Which that- is all they could, they could afford to give snails for a funeral, because Ridley stopped stealing a while ago. I, I assume he dual-classed into Paladin or something. Yeah, so now he... He tells the dead body of snails that, Hey man, you made a difference. No, you You didn't. changed things. No, he didn't. You really made society a different place. Had nothing to do with it. <laughs> Yeah, the the amount that he's apparently just lying to the spirit of his friend. He's like, yeah, man, your bumbling idiocy really, I don't know, it helped somehow. Yep, you sure were there. <laughs> you were here, just like this dwarf and elf. You were present at an important event that I did, <laughs> friend. And to commemorate you, here's a rock that has your name carved on it that looks like one of those rocks you see in, like, Sky Mall that says bravery on it. <laughs> Except this one says snails. Oh my god, if, if a rock in one of the sky malls was like, actually said snails on it, I would love that Especially shit. if it didn't change any other ones. They were all like, hope, courage, togetherness, snails. snails. <laughs> <laughs> uh. So, at that point, the rock's snails word falls off it. Yeah, because he gave the dragon's eye, which apparently at some point in time between... Uh, beating the, uh, horrible wizard and getting his sweet new studded leather, he decided to go back to the dungeon, pry the dragon's eye out of the door that he went through. Still not take enough gold to get a proper tombstone for his friend. And then just leave that gem on the pile of rocks where his friend is. Now, they're in a proper graveyard at this point, I want to mention. So he's like, oh yeah, 
here you go. You you finally got that big score you wanted. I'm going to leave this gem here, which the next person that shows up into this graveyard is going to be like, holy shit, a giant fucking gem, well, that and won't, take it. That won't happen because the word snails falls off of his bravery rock. And then the, the gem starts glowing, and then the uh, and then he, he, he picks it up and goes, oh, "Is this shh elf stuff?" Yep, that happens. <laughs> she she literally says, "Don't don't don't talk about it and don't ruin it." Then it starts glowing real bright, and all four of them, because the dwarf is there too, turn into fireballs and fly away. Yep. And then uh, that's it. That's it. Credits roll. End of the movie. The party turns into fireworks. We're done. We're out. We're setting up for the sequel. Of which none of these characters will be in, because they all turned into fire and died. Yeah. <laughs> they were like, oh, let's all touch this glowing stone together, and then died. One last time, the elf gets to pop up and say, hey, don't even worry about it, bro. <laughs> Chill. It's cool. <laughs> Forget it, Jake. <laughs> it's Dungeons and Dragons Town. <laughs> One last time. Yeah. All right, so um, what'd you think? Did you like this film? Did you say it's a good movie? Holy Christ, this movie is so bad. Not all... I mean... <sighs> From every point of view, like, not only does it fail to be a D&D movie because it isn't allowed to do anything D&D-ish, it has, aside from dwarf and elf, there is no other actual represented races. Like, I mean, we mentioned the purple guy with three eyes. I'm like, just give a gift Yankee anything. Something. It's There's like 16,000 monster manuals. Open one to a random page. Put some fur on a guy and call him a quagoth. Whatever you gotta do, but don't just make up races. You're working with a huge expanded library of things that already exist. Take your orc costume, throw fur on it, call him a knoll. I don't care. Yeah. And uh, again, there are halflings briefly in the film. They are mentioned verbally as well. There's a point where our Snail says, Remember when we robbed that ha- halfling and he beat me from the waist down? Yeah. And, although, I can't remember, I'd have to go back. I don't even know if he says halfling or just... He says halfling. Okay, good. I I was paying attention to the beginning of this movie. I I stopped by the end. (laughs) So, uh, yeah. So not only is it just terrible from that, but all of the acting except for Jeremy Irons and Riff Raff... Mm -hmm. Tom Baker's okay. Oh, and Tom Baker's fine. In his one set of lines. (laughs) Tom Baker gets to show up and be like, Hey man, elves are awesome, and how about you go fuck yourself? Yeah. Peace, I'm out. And that's about it. All right. Do you want? Do you have a favorite moment you want to discuss before we close this bad boy up? I do. Uh, favorite moment has got to probably be just Tom Baker showing up. Because mm-hmm. at this point, you've managed to throw in a bunch of random nerd stuff. Like, they kept having people that were in other nerd things. So you had a guy that was in Superman or Lois and Clark. Lois and Clark. You get to be a real <laughs> Superman nerd. Oh, yeah. So you have all of these random people from various other things. You've got fucking Jeremy Irons. Mm-hmm. You've got all of these guys that are in stuff, and then Tom Baker shows up. And I'm like, okay, I understand you're trying to get the nerd watch here. Mm-hmm. You want nerds to watch your thing. It's too late. But you can't you can't yeah. help anything now. I'm going to say one of my favorite moments is when Snails goes to talk to the to the elf, and he's hitting on her. This is the second time he's hitting on her, because he hits her in the bar, and then again when they're out walking in the woods. And this time he walks up and he's like, hey baby, we should probably be together because, uh, I don't know if you noticed, but there's only two black people in this movie. And, uh, and, and then she says, how old are you? And he responds with, well, I'm 23, but I'd be willing to take an aging potion for you. And then she says, I'm 234. And he's like, whoa, that's way older than I expected. <laughs> and I, I love that part because I'm like, what is he, is he worried about that? Is he like, well, now you, now she's got that musty pussy. <laughs> Oh, no, man, I don't want to clear the cobwebs out of there. I'm out. No, no, I don't want to get any paper cuts when I'm going south. 
Also, again, we want to talk briefly about how this movie is basically a delineation between third, three, or a Pathfinder and fourth edition, because we have a princess or an empress who wants everyone to have equality, to all powers to be the same, for mages to not rule and to, and to, uh, for everyone to flourish. And she's willing to lay down her life for a world where that's the case, versus an evil sorcerer whose only goal is to make sure that mages stay in charge all the time. Who loves the power that came before him and wants to continue on with that power, but have new dominance. Mm-hmm. And his goal is to send out another mage to go kill a bunch of rogues and fighters and stuff. We need to take out all of the martial characters. So that so that mages can continue to rule. Yep. So there you go. Alright, um, anything else you want to say? Would you recommend people watch this thing? Uh, So, I had been actually wanting to watch this movie again, because I hadn't watched it since basically 2001. I saw this in theaters. I remember being angry as hell. Oh, yeah. No, I went and saw it in theaters and was like, what the Christ is this? Yeah. Uh, so, I had been wanting to see it because I really wanted to know if it was as bad as I remembered, and... If Jeremy Irons was as hammy as I remember. Yeah. And it is both. Both of those things are true. He just straight up shows up into that council meeting and is like, You need to be prepared. Oh, yeah. No, every one of his lines would be a perfect replacement for a scar line. It, <laughs> it would be fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, damn it all. You failed me again. You're clearly from the shallow end of the gene pool. <laughs> he's, he's so hammy. The mouth motions on this guy are just the best. I love him. He's, he's worth he's worth the price of, price of admission. Yeah. If if you anyone recommends you see this, just watch it for uh, Jeremy Irons. Yeah. If you've got a hankering for some spiral cut, honey glazed Jeremy Irons, <laughs> this is the movie to get it. Yep. All right. So, that, uh, I think that just about wraps up our review of Dungeons and Dragons, the movie. Yep, if you'd like to hear us review more nerd movies, it's not like this this movie doesn't have a sequel, it sure does. Yeah, you can go ahead and recommend some other nerdly type movies for us to review, we will always have that in mind, but next time we will review an actual RPG. We're going back to basics, we're going to keep get back to the uh, the cycle of what we like to do, so check back in a few weeks for the uh, the good old hard stuff. Uh, in the meantime, you can find us, as always, at SystemMasteryPodcast.com, or on Facebook, or on Twitter, or on Gmail, Yeah, or the System Mastery Pinterest! Yeah, we've got our new Pinterest and our Tumblr. Find us at r slash System Mastery on the Reddit! Our, our pronouns are System, Systemer, and Systemist. Yeah, we're Tumblr.SystemMastery.com.net. Something. I don't know. I don't know. Oh, whatever. There it you is. You kids these days. Well, just leave a comment in the area below if you if you have some disagreements about Dungeons & Dragons, but dear God, why would you? Uh, or if you want to hear us review anything in particular. Yeah, or send us a letter, old school style. Oh, yeah, you can do that. You have to email us to get the address, because I'm not just putting that on a podcast. <laughs> We were lucky enough to receive a gift from one of our readers recently. Uh, a fella named Grant Woodward sent us two RPGs that he'd like to hear us review. Said they were pretty much right up our alley. I flipped uh, open a copy of Deliria that he sent us and encountered not one but two naked fairies immediately. So I think he's probably right. Yeah, probably. Uh, Grant Woodward is the host of a podcast. And uh, it's called Saving the Game. We recommend you find that. Check it out. Looks like it's a pretty good listen. So, uh... Thanks again, Grant. If you'd like to send us books, we'll always take them, but we'll never give them back. Yep. They are ours now. This is ours. We're, we own this book. This, these two books about fairies and how their magic affects the mundane world. Oh, you mundies. Will we, will we read this next? 
Probably. Yeah. Well, why not? Might as well get it get it through. Sure. So uh, thanks again, Grant, and thanks everyone for listening. Have a lovely day. Yeah.